Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Phoebe, I'll tell you something. John Coleman uh, used to say that Chicago is Broadway for weathermen. And I remember <laughs> I remember that characterization and I thought, you know, that's true. We've got everything here except hurricanes. We've got lake effect. We've got cold air from Canada, hot air from the southern states. And so um, we have the full panoply of uh, weather phenomena around here. Nature rolls out all of its goods. Tom Skilling has been called the undisputed king of Chicago weather. Well, I mean, I think people trust him. He's an institution of, like, Chicago. Tom Skilling! I'm just kidding. Skilling. I'm a good judge of character, uh, and he seemed like a, like a swell, sweet guy. He's been a meteorologist on WGN in Chicago for the past 45 years. In 2008, Chicago Magazine wrote about the cult of Tom. Last year, his name even popped up on The Bear, the TV show about a Chicago restaurant. There's VIP on 21. It's Tom Skilling. So can I get a dessert drop? I grew up in Chicago. He was the weather forecaster we watched in my house, too. And so it's nice to be able to talk to you. And and when we were thinking about this idea, I thought, well, if you ever wanted to talk to a guy about the weather, I know the man. <laughs> Look, there's real passion here toward what I do. I I trying to figure out what nature is going to going to do and how it's going to unfold is really quite quite interesting to me. Uh, so this is a it's been a lifelong passion. And how many people get a chance to do something they love all their life? I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. In 1974, Tom Skilling was just starting out. After spending his high school years in the Chicago suburbs, he'd studied meteorology at the University of Wisconsin. While he was still in school, he got a job working as a TV weather forecaster in Madison. He says he was barely making ends meet. And then I got a call one day from Jacksonville, Florida, from the NBC affiliate. 
And my first impression was I didn't want to go somewhere where it didn't snow part of the year. Um, I couldn't imagine uh, living in a place without the changing seasons. And I'm, I remember here I am making $40 a month, barely able to, uh, you know, the decision was made every, every month whether I paid the car insurance or, or ate. So he took the job in Florida. I worked a year down there, and I used to think, gosh, um, I'd, I'd look at the weather changing up north, and I missed that. And so I thought, I hope I'm not stuck here forever. I, I want to get back to where the weather changes uh, more often. So you'd be you'd be there in Florida. Yeah. Hot again, rain in the afternoon. Yeah. And you'd be looking, and you'd be looking at what was going on in Chicago, and thinking, "Oh boy, I wish I could talk about that chance of snow." Yeah, what am I doing here? Just a few years later, Tom was back in Chicago. Good afternoon, I'm Tom Skilling. This is a weather break, and there's a and back to forecasting snow. We think there'll be a couple of more lake effect snow showers into the early half of tonight. Then later tonight, a ridge of high pressure will come in. In the 1914 book. The Weather and Climate of Chicago, the authors wrote that Chicago is, quote, justly proud of its climate. They continue, its changes in weather are often sudden and pronounced. It is not at all improbable that the great energy of its people is due largely to the peculiar nature of its climate. I've never lived anywhere where people are as obsessed with weather as they are in Chicago. Mary Schmeek was a longtime columnist for the Chicago Tribune. Well, Tom and Chicago are a perfect match. Chicago loves weather. Tom loves weather. So Chicago loves Tom. And Tom loves <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> she started watching Tom Skilling on WGN when she moved to Chicago in 1985. So he's been part of my Chicago landscape for my entire Chicago life. I mean, he really does just feel like he is so much part of the fabric of the city. I was going back and looking at some of my old stories about him and see that I've described him as the passionate weathercaster, as the exuberant meteorologist. Um, He just loves it. And, you know, there have been other well-known weathercasters, but Tom has always been the king of them all partly based on on who he is and the passion, the intensity, the joviality that he brings to it, but also partly now just because he's endured. I mean, most of the people living in Chicago now have been watching Tom Skilling most of their lives. Well, I always thought growing up in Chicago that that it's a place where you actually do need to pay attention to the weather. I mean, if you're in Chicago, you need to understand whether you might freeze walking to the train or um, sweat to death walking to the train because, you know, it can be 110 in the summer and minus 30 in the winter. I mean, it is a place where where Chicagoan does have to prepare themselves for what they might encounter. Yeah, I think the fact that it's, it's so dramatic, the summer is dramatic, the... Winter is dramatic. There are these huge shifts. You know, in the summer, we have these thunderstorms that roll in, and you never quite know when that's going to happen. The only somewhat placid season is autumn. And then everyone is just bracing. Right. Exactly. (laughs) We kind of live between summer and winter here. 
I always find those transitional seasons particularly interesting because you have in the atmosphere uh, the retreating cold of winter and the developing warmth of summer kind of doing battle. And interesting things start to happen when you have such disparate air masses next to one another. Um, you know, one of the wonderful things about this job, I watching nature put this weather together, and, and we really, in this day and age, have a fighting chance of really understanding what's going on. What are some of your most memorable weather events that, that you've covered? Do you know, I remember the night it went down to 25 below zero in Chicago, 26 below for the first time back in 1982. And I remember leaving work that night and you could, first of all, your car wouldn't start. But secondly, you heard cracking and all as buildings and trees and all were cracking under the, because of the incredible cold that it had occurred. And uh, the decade of the 70s around here produced the coldest winters and the snowiest winters collectively of any decade since we started official records here. I talked with Tom Skilling a few months ago, around the time a winter storm swept across the Midwest. As the storm approached Chicago, Twitter lit up with Chicagoans talking about the incoming weather and Tom Skilling. I bet Tom Skilling is so excited, wrote one person. Another declared the storm a level five Tom Skilling. Tom was on vacation in Hawaii at the time, but posted regular updates about the forecast back in Chicago on his Facebook page. More than 250,000 people follow him there. His posts get hundreds of likes, comments, and questions. And his fans post their own photos of the weather. I started sending photos to him well over 10 years ago when I started watching them. This is Stephanie Ochab. On Facebook, she goes by Stephanie Klein. She's a school nurse outside of Chicago, and she's a big Tom Skilling fan, and often shares photos on his Facebook page. Pictures of flowers, insects, fall leaves. She also posts photos of her dogs, maple in pockets. Occasionally, Tom Skilling will include her photos on his evening television broadcast. It made me so happy to know that somebody actually is noticing my work of my photos that I take with care and love. You know, when I'm taking weather photos or flowers or butterflies or whatever. I've had one picture ready to share that I had over 400 likes on my dog. I could not believe it. Made the TV. I couldn't believe it. My dog was a celebrity. <laughs> when Tom Skilling gave a lecture on climate change, Stephanie decided she wanted to be there. I drove like two hours through a nasty rainstorm and my brand new car was acting up. I told my husband, we're going to make it to Tom Skilling. I don't care if this car breaks down. I'm getting to Tom Skilling. And um, when I finally got to meet him after the lecture, I mean, he knew my name. He said, Stephanie Klein, he goes, you've been submitting pictures to me for years. You send me great pictures. It took me back. I was like, oh my God, he knows me. That must have been so nice for you after sending pictures for so oh, long. Oh, my God. I was, in, I was in cloud nine. I was in heaven. I couldn't believe it. I didn't expect that. I, I was so excited. And I got a bunch of pictures with him. I even did some selfies with him. He, he was so cool. Has he changed the way that you think about the weather? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm more focused on the weather now than ever. Like when I was younger, who cares about the weather, right? But now when you're older and you're 
and you drive around and you got to go to work and things. It's almost like I don't like to leave the house without hearing what Tom has to say. Not so much those sunny days, but those rainy or snowy days or those stormy days. And I usually do watch him on all the whole t- every time he's on. He, he's on like two times at each hour. So he's on at five. He comes on twice. Six, he comes on twice. And he comes on at nine. And then he's on at 10, 15. <laughs> kind of so schedule down pat. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained, because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It sounds to me like you're, you spend a, lo- a lot of time at work. Um, tell me what your typical day is like when when you're going to be on the air. Well, I'll tell you, my, my day starts about eight in the morning uh, at home in my bathrobe. And uh, I sit at my little desk in my little weather den and I start pouring over the model guidance. And, it, uh, you know, this process takes hours. I literally don't look up until I get in the car and drive into the station. I work from eight until about three in the afternoon grab a bite of, of lunch and uh, right at the desk there. And then I go in and I'm done at 11 o'clock. So it's a, it's a full day. And yet I always am amazed. I think with all this time, you would think, um, you know, there wouldn't be any, <laughs> any sense that uh, you needed more time, but it always seems no matter what you do, you need more time to do, uh, you know, get everything done the way you want it done. Have you ever gotten it really wrong? Oh, <laughs> oh yes. I mean, you know, so don't don't worry. Bring have a picnic tomorrow. Everyone go to the park, and you wake up and it's pouring rain. Oh, I don't think there's a forecaster alive that doesn't have a horror story about a forecast gone bad. <laughs> I can remember one time when uh, there was a storm system coming in. This was years ago, and I said, "Oh, you know, I don't think this is going to affect us," and yet. Just as you laid out, I got up in the middle of the night and you could hear the rain, not just sprinkling down. It was pouring in buckets and it continued into the next day. Um, A cataclysmic forecast bomb. And uh, that was terrible. Thankfully, in this day and age, there are fewer instances of that happening. You know, it used to be that people 
scoffed at all of us, and they still do. If you stop somebody on the street, they'll say, I, how many times I've heard this, boy, do I wish I had a job where I could be wrong every night and keep my, you know, a paycheck coming. If I had a dime for every time I heard that, I'd be a rich man. Um, it isn't true. Uh, if we were wrong every night of the year, we'd be fired so fast, we wouldn't have time to say what in the heck just happened. According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, a five-day forecast today is accurate about 90% of the time. But when Tom Skilling's interest in the weather began in the early 1960s, five-day forecasts from the U.S. Weather Bureau, now known as the National Weather Service, were only 55 to 60% accurate. Or as one reporter wrote, not too much better than the average you could establish by pure chance. That all started to change, though, when the first successful weather satellite was launched by NASA. It was described by one reporter as shaped like a, quote, oversized hat box, 42 inches in diameter and 19 inches high. The New York Times wrote that the satellite held the promise of illuminating vast areas of darkness in man's understanding of the weather. Another reporter wrote that man has cupped a giant ear to the heavens. That weather satellite was called Tyros-1. It was launched in 1960, and it worked for about two and a half months until it had an electrical failure. Tyros-1 sent back more than 19,000 pictures from space. Today, it's still up in orbit, circling the Earth. After the success of Tyros-1, more satellites were sent up. Meteorologists could now tell what was happening weather-wise around the world and could feed that information into computer models to predict what would happen next. Uh, in order to forecast the weather, you've got to know what, it, what the state of the atmosphere is at the beginning of the forecast, and that gave us that opportunity. Tom Skilling says he can't really remember one specific event, that piqued his curiosity about the weather. He says he's been interested for as long as he can remember. It started when he was young, when his family lived in New Jersey. Uh, my parents couldn't quite figure out what they had done wrong to get somebody so interested in the weather. I used to have paper routes as a little boy and save the money and would uh, look at Belmont Instrument Company and Scientific Associates. These were a big weather equipment vendors, and I would look at their catalogs of instruments and dream about buying these instruments, all of which were more expensive than I could afford with my little 2 and $3 a week paper route. But I dreamed that one day I'd be able to put in a weather service uh, specified anemometer uh, to measure wind and all the rest. On the roof of your house? Yes. <laughs> when he was about eight, Tom says his father drove him to Philadelphia to buy a wind vane set. And that was, you know, my prized uh, weather instrument. And uh, I think it was, f we paid $50 for it, which was an astronomical sum of money for somebody of my age. Would you read out your reports to the family? Yes, I would. And, and God bless them, they listened. Uh, you know, it must have been horribly boring to have a little seven and eight-year-old wanting to read you a weather forecast. Tom also sent away for a daily printed weather map that was published by the United States Weather Bureau in Washington, D.C. Every time that thing arrived, I thought I died and went to heaven. 
The map showed weather fronts, temperature, highs and lows, precipitation, and barometric pressure. Tom got the maps for years, but when his family moved from New Jersey to Illinois when he was 13, he says they took longer to arrive in the mail. So it was so old, it was of little value in trying to evaluate the weather. So I thought, well, I'm going to write the local radio station. I didn't tell my parents because I thought they would say, you're nuts. And no, who's going to listen to a 13-year-old kid who's writing them a letter? But I wrote them and had the audacity to suggest that if they could get me some real-time weather maps, I would do a weather forecast for Aurora, Illinois, that was more accurate than the one they were getting from 40 miles away in Chicago. I, I look back at that now, and I think the audacity of even thinking that for a moment. You were just, you were 13? Yeah, and and I'm told after the fact that I wrote an eight-page letter to them, I, I don't remember it, but I didn't tell my parents about this, and I came home from school one day, and my mother said, some radio station is calling you. What's that all about? And I, I had to come clean. The station's manager eventually decided to put Tom on the radio, twice a day. The station also helped him get the weather maps he wanted from the Weather Bureau in Chicago. And I found out after the fact, they only sent out two sets of maps, one to Argonne National Laboratory and one to Tom Skilling. Uh, and they didn't know who the Tom Skilling was. And I've subsequently worked with some of the people, and they said they used to look at each other in the office and said, who, the, who in the heck is this Tom Skilling that we're sending this group of maps off to? Tom says he would go to the post office early in the morning before school, go in the back door, and pick up a special delivery envelope from the Weather Bureau. He'd deliver his forecast, go to school, and then do another forecast. Did anyone write in and say, who's the kid doing the weather? If they did write, I'm not aware of it, but I, <laughs> I, you know, and I would hang around the station. I went over on the weekends, and I would cut the grass and wash the windows. Um, and when I was a senior in high school, a little TV station came on, went on the air in Aurora, and I wrote them and said, do you need a weather segment? And they said, yes. And uh, that sounds like it might be interesting. They knew I'd done the weather on the little radio station there in town. So my brother and I uh, painted a weather map and got the plexiglass on top of it and created the map that I would use every night on the TV show. And I did that each evening. When you when you were in high school, I mean, were you... Were you known as the the weather man? Yes. You know, it, was that your nickname in yeah. high school with your friends? Yeah, I I was kind of the weather nerd, uh, you know, and just uh, I still am. Uh, here I am, seventy years old, and uh, you know, a half century later, and I'm still a weather nerd. I consider that a very a complimentary uh, term and designation. I mean, after all, uh, there are a lot of nerds that have done a lot of good in this world. Most people that I know that are meteorologists or in the field of weather are weather geeks. They've been enthusiasts all of their lives. Dr. Marshall Shepard is a meteorologist and director of the Atmospheric Sciences Program at the University of Georgia. He's also the host of a podcast from the Weather Channel called Weather Geeks. And we embrace the term because we know that it's so an integral part of who people are within our particular field. Why do you think people are so fascinated by the weather? It's interesting. I, I've pondered that question myself. I think it's because it's one of the 
true sciences that impacts our lives every day. Uh, almost nothing that we do in a given day uh, can't be done without some consideration of the weather I mean, in terms of whether we're driving, uh, activities later that day, are we taking a flight somewhere, the food that we eat, so forth and so on. I think one other thing that really fascinates people about the weather is there are some things about it that are pretty awe-striking. When you think about a tornado or a large hurricane or even in, even lightning, those are just awe-inspiring things. And it makes you want to know more about why did that happen? What keeps you in love with with this job, this field, the weather? Oh, it's crazy because I I hope my, my president of my university is not listening to this, but I don't feel like I go to work every day. I would do this for free if I, I mean, it's, I, I, I think that really is something that sets apart many people in my field of, as I've encountered over the years. We There's a passion there, and it's an unbridled passion that has been there for a long time. And you, you just rarely meet someone in my field that just stumbled into the field later in life. It's something that they really were fascinated by, inspired by some storm or weather event, or just wanted to know more. So uh, when there's a storm approaching, I'm, I'm out in my yard or on the back deck trying to look at the clouds and see what's going on. And so it's just a really inspiring provocative and just wondrous feel to be in. And, and I, I love it. Tom Skilling says his parents were not initially enthusiastic about their son going off to college to study meteorology. They would have preferred a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. And I and um, I, they, they like good parents, were asking, you know, are you sure this is what you want to do? But um, my parents were wonderful. And they, when they realized their son really uh, was devoted to a career path toward meteorology, I was fully supported. And, uh, but you know, it was interesting. I, there was kind of a caste system in the meteorology departments of the time. Uh, those who were going on to research were considered favored. But I remember uh, thinking I, I, those destined for a media career were considered kind of the lowest of the low among the groups. It was the early 1970s. And at the time, TV weather segments were known more for their stunts than science. As meteorologist Bob Henson wrote in his book, Weather on the Air... When local TV stations began to compete for viewers in the 1950s, it ushered in, quote, TV weather's wildest and most uninhibited period. He writes, A Nashville weathercaster gave his forecast in verse. Viewers in New York could get weather information at midnight from a sleepy woman in a short nightgown tucking herself into bed. One weathercaster did the forecast while submerged in a tank of water, Others did their segments while standing on their heads. In Milwaukee, the weather was co-hosted by a puppet. My fellow students from Milwaukee were saying, you know what you need? You need a puppet on your weather show. And I thought, no, I don't. Uh, that is not the way uh, my weather show is going to go. We'll be right back.
Vox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Albert the Alley Cat started co-hosting The Weather on WITI in Milwaukee in 1965. Albert was a black cat puppet with a white snout and a big red nose. He often wore hats. It was apparently the finding of a program director there that if we bring Albert from the kids' show uh, that they were doing onto The Weather, that that would work. The puppet was so popular that one year he was the Grand Marshal of the Sheboygan Fourth of July Parade. Did you have the puppet on your hand? No, no. Tom Skilling ended up being one of Albert's co-hosts after he landed a job in Milwaukee early on in his career. They called me from this Milwaukee station and said, now look, we've got this puppet. I said, oh, I know about it. Uh, And they said, look, the puppet's going back to the kids' show, uh, but we want to do a more credible weather show and uh, that involves more science than, than showbiz. Then the news got out that Albert was being demoted. The mail started coming in. I mean, bags of mail. It was piled on the news directly to the ceiling. These mail bags with people saying, don't you touch that puppet. I remember one letter said, you take Albert off the air and that's like killing my family pet. And uh, this was the kind of uh, motion there was. So. Here I was, I'm a guy who talks about jet streams and dew points and, you know, all kinds of things. And uh, and then at the end, Albert's role would be to read a joke. And often people would knit these little outfits uh, to uh, publicize a church bazaar or something like that. So he would get on, he'd give his little joke and uh, and then tell you where his outfit came from. So it... Here you had Mr. Science next to a, uh, you know, like a character from Sesame Street. For Tom Skilling, the weather was interesting enough on its own. There was no need for puppets. And in time, audiences agreed. In 1995, the Chicago Tribune wrote about Tom Skilling, quote, He has achieved a sort of revenge of the weather nerds, by using new technology and computer graphics to bedazzle viewers. They added, Skilling and his acolytes have definitely raised America's preoccupation with weather. When a solar eclipse crossed the country in 2017, Tom Skilling was sent on assignment. Look at that. 
Look at that. It was the first total solar eclipse visible over the mainland United States since 1979. Tom Skilling covered it live from Carbondale, Illinois, a city that was on its path. Wow. This is amazing. What do you think of this, guys? The sun was obscured by the moon for more than two minutes. It was Tom's first time ever seeing a total eclipse. As the moon blocked out the sun and the sky went dark, he started to cry. But I'll I'll get my act together, guys, and I'll be back to you, I promise you. Guys, back to Chicago. Sorry about this. Afterward, the video of his segment went viral. I think Tom may have felt just a tiny bit sheepish about having expressed that much emotion. Mary Schmeek. But I think he also knew that people liked seeing it. People liked connecting to it. And one thing I think people relate to in Tom is that he seems to understand that the weather is both science and mystery. He, he somehow, even as he's, you know, giving you all these charts and these maps and these numbers and these technical terms, he gives you a sense of the mystical nature of the weather. And I, I think people really like that. In her 2017 column about Tom's viral moment, she described him as a, quote, weather evangelist. He loves the clouds, the wind, the sky, He wants you to love them, too. I do think of Tom as a weather evangelist because he preaches the beauty of the weather, the value of understanding the weather, the value of thinking and talking about the weather. And he wants us all to believe in this mystical power of the weather, even though there's, it's the mystical power wed to science, he just wants us to share his passion. That's what I mean by weather evangelist. You know, someone once tweeted about, about you, you and I will never love anything as much as Tom Skilling <laughs> loves the weather. <laughs> think about that i you know that's very flattering i hadn't thought about that you know it's it's funny phoebe i guess that's one of the things that somehow uh there's where the camera tells uh somebody the truth and it's not something you set out to do i i love this i i there's so many levels on which to appreciate the weather uh you can appreciate it from its ability to affect our economy the way we dress even the way diseases proceed but there's a beauty to it too um you know this is a pretty amazing planet that we live on what what should people expect tomorrow in chicago for the weather we are under clouds right now uh and i'm telling you we better get used to it because there's every indication this is going to go on got a big storm coming tuesday and wednesday there'll be a lot of wind and rain with that then that will tug Arctic air in later next week, slowly at first. And then the week after, looks like we could tap some uh, real cold Arctic air and uh, see some real winter-like chill around here. 
So that's where we're at right now in Chicago. Well, send some of that cold weather and snow down to me in North Carolina because I, I, I miss it. I, I'm just yeah. like you. I'm wondering why I'm not in Chicago right now. <laughs> I, Phoebe, I, I totally, I, some people would think we're crazy when they hear that, but, um, you know, it adds a dimension to life. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, and Megan Kinane. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Support for this show comes from Nine West. Winter's finally coming to a close, but you might still fall the very ground beneath your feet with the hottest new trends from Nine West. Nothing beats the confidence the perfect little piece can give you. And their new collections of footwear, apparel, and accessories will let you take on the world in style. Use their Need It Now Edit, also known as the Nine Edit, to search effortlessly through trends like Western-style boots, loafers, and more. It's time to wear our confidence, ladies. We can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.